Closet Direct King's Court starts now.
lost against the best. This old road's been a hell of a test. I'm still driving. I ain't slowing down. There's rules I love to break and bend. Mistakes I've made again and again. But I tell you this, my friends, I'm still around. I hit it hard, man. So far, man. No laying up, no holding back. And a good Thursday morning, St. Louis and all points north, east, south, and west. We welcome you back in. Kevin Slayton with you in the Window World King's Court. Heard live every morning, 7 to 9, Central Time, right here on KevinSlaytonShow.com. You'll be able to hear our podcast, voice permitting, every day, right here, but also on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, Anchor, anywhere fine podcasts are heard every day. We're battling back from uh, severe bronchitis and strep throat. So hopefully the voice sounds good enough, strong enough, deep enough to get us through the morning. But we couldn't bear to go another day. So much is going on. It was filling my head, not with sugar plums, but almost with just flat out unbelievable hypocrisy that this country is under these days. What we're experiencing is not generational. It's once in a lifetime. We're experiencing the complete breakdown of this entire government. It is so corrupt, and it never seems to end. Then we have to stop it. We don't have a choice. We have to vote. We have to make sure the voting is secure. And it has to happen in November. That's the first step. It has to. Remember, this is the show that brings you the truth, but always backed by evidence and facts. Most often we use others' words, their own words, to indict them. We don't need to. They lie enough all by themselves. And we have more of that, much more of that this morning. And we're happy to be back, and I want to give a quick shout-out to all the kind people who have expressed their interest, their caring, their thoughts. Thank you so much. It means everything to me that anyone would care that my absence was here. But nonetheless... That motivates me to get back in this arena and start fighting again because we have to. It's a never-ending fight with these people. They're mentally deranged, and they'll never change unless we take it away from them. And when we have the power, meaning the Republicans, you don't abuse it. You treat people fairly. You return the culture to what it once was, not this out-of-control, mind-numbing idiocy where liberals are changing wording from a pedophile to a minor attracted person. No, you're an effing pedophile. You always will be. If you're born a woman, you'll always be a woman. I don't care what you think. So there's a lot of that going on, but there's so much more with this student debt problem that we now have. It's not forgiveness, so I won't use that word. Because it's not forgiven, it's transferred. It's transferred from the person that owes it to people who don't owe it. Have you ever heard of such a thing? 
Well, I'm making good on a campaign promise. Oh, shut up. You're an illiterate buffoon. You are involved now in the most blatant vote-buying scheme ever seen in this country's history. The liberals are so desperate for votes now, bringing millions of people across the border illegally didn't work. Fixing elections didn't work. Well, it worked temporarily. Now they have to buy the votes. And you'll be surprised this morning when you hear the people that they're paying for their vote don't agree with it. That's my favorite part. So we're going to get going because we've got so much ground to cover, and we're going to talk about Molina and uh, his absence from the Cardinals last week and this sudden love affair with Pujols and the Cardinal Sheeple and the passing of Len Dawson as well. That's all coming your way. Our good friends at Window World want you to know some basic things. All you have to do is call them for a free in-home estimate, 314-993-1800. That's what I did, 314-993-1800. They'll come out and prove to you how they're simply the best for less. And here's what you'll be getting. You'll be getting the preferred window of the Blues, the official window of the Chiefs, the official window of the Slayton household. Yeah, I have window world windows because hail broke through my windows, and now I feel very secure when hail's out. I don't think my windows are going to break. In fact, I know they won't, and if they do, by some miracle, window world backs up their product. They give you a lifetime warranty. That covers all parts, glass breakage, and labor. Glass breakage. They can do that because they use double-strength glass as part of their MO. It's not an upsell. It's not extra. Price the Window World windows versus the competition for the same amount of windows. The same product. You won't believe the difference. 314-993-1800. That's Window World. They'll come out and give you that free and home estimate. They'll also give you 18 months same-as-cash financing with approved credit. And they'll also do this. When you have Window World windows, and I can testify to this, the price of your utility bills comes down. Because your air conditioner is not running 24-7 in the summer. Your furnace isn't running 24-7 in the winter. Cold air in the winter is not coming in and the warm air going out, vice versa, in the summer. That's the beauty of it. Window World, 314-993-1800. And you'll be happy, I promise you that. You'll be happy. I'm happy. Are you happy? Well, you're probably not happy with the news out of the White House yesterday that the fraud-in-chief has taken enough time to return from falling off his bicycle, tripping up steps, and vacationing for God knows how long in order to spend more money. You thought the Green New Deal bill was a lot of money. Now he's going to spend another $300 billion to give freeloaders, people who signed contracts, an early Christmas present. By the way, Christmas is four months from today. So we want to wish you an early Merry Christmas. By the way, we also want to wish a loyal listener of ours who's been kind of like me, not feeling all that well under the weather, but his is worse than mine. He's in the ICU, but he got released from ICU yesterday. Joe Klopstein, 
Joe listens to the show. His daughter-in-law is a loyal listener. Her husband, a listener, loyal listener. And so we wish Joe nothing but the best and a speedy recovery so that we can all fight this fight together. But the insanity of this Christmas present to people who have loans from the government for their college education and don't pay them back, or they paid them back and they're going to get reimbursed. But I'm not going to get reimbursed for my loan that I paid back. Are you? And if you are, doesn't it compromise your basic sense of fairness? Why should your neighbor pay for you? Should your neighbor pay for your mortgage too? Or should you pay for theirs? Does any of this make any sense to anyone? Of course not. It's a blatant vote-buying scam perpetrated on the idiocy of the American people. And only an idiot would not see it. So if you don't see it and you think it's a cool idea, you're an idiot. An absolute idiot. You have no other options. You're just an idiot. You're too dumb to live, actually. Anyone who's that stupid, although being that dumb usually renders you happier. When you're so stupid you don't know what's going on around you, you're usually deliriously, bizarrely happy. Crazy the way that works, isn't it? This plan is so absurd that even allies of Biden and Obama are saying how absurd it is. Here's what it's doing. $10,000 in debt transferred to non-Pell Grant recipients. $20,000 in debt transferred if you went to college on Pell Grants. Now, wait a minute. Do you know what a Pell Grant is? It's a grant. If you went to college on a Pell Grant, and let's say you borrowed $50,000, or let's just say 10, in this case 20, you get $20,000. I won't say you get it back because you never spent it. It was a Pell Grant. You got it for free, and now you're getting twenty grand for nothing. What the hell's going on here? Do you understand how that works? The government isn't a bank. The government needs to get out of the loan business. But in this case, it's not even repayment of a loan. It's a $20,000 gift if you went to school on a Pell Grant. A gift to buy your vote. Jason Furman, who was in the Obama administration, says pouring roughly half a trillion dollars of gasoline on the inflationary fire that is already burning is reckless. Doing it while going well beyond one campaign promise, 10000 of student loans, and breaking another, all proposals paid for, is even worse. How true is that? A Democratic congressman, Chris Pappas. This announcement by President Biden is no way to make policy and sidesteps Congress and our oversight and fiscal responsibilities. It's unbelievable. It's hard to fathom. It's extremely hard to fathom. But here it is. It's a reality. And I'm going to get into Biden, and we're going to hear from him. But I want to have a quick synopsis of what happened with the Cardinals and Molina and this love affair with Pujols before we get into Biden. 
Yadier Molina is being paid tens of millions of dollars. He's made in the neighborhood of 170 to 200 million dollars in his career. He's supposed to be a leader of this baseball team. He was caught supposedly rehabbing a knee injury in Puerto Rico where he didn't belong to begin with, but the spineless Cardinals allowed him to go there to rehab, quote-unquote rehab. But he was caught playing basketball for some local gang of yahoos and getting pissed in the game, kicking the basketball. The referees threw him out of the game. This is a guy rehabbing his knee on Cardinal dimes on your dime because you pay for it. So what does he do last weekend? In the middle of a pennant race, the supposed leader of the team takes off for Puerto Rico again, this time not to rehab anything, but to play in the basketball team's championship game. Are you kidding me? And the Cardinals permitted it? Oh, they claim, well, he's not going to get paid for the weekend. Whoop-de-doo. What does that have to do with it? The answer is it has nothing to do with it. You've allowed this clown, this abject fraud, and that's what he's always been, to leave the team in the middle of a pennant race. It's unconscionable. And yet the Cardinals keep allowing it. The Cardinals are quickly becoming an embarrassment in this town. Support Black Lives Matter. Have Gay Pride Day at the ballpark. What the hell's wrong with this organization? Letting Molina control this team, and if he's not controlling it, Pujols and Wainwright are controlling it. This team's going nowhere. They'll win this pathetic division, of course, but they don't match up against the good teams in baseball. But Cardinal ownership will continue to try to confuse you, like Biden does, into thinking, oh, look at how competitive we are. You're not. You're competitive in your division. Nowhere else. Then you have Pujols and this budding love affair with a jilted lover. This guy jilted you. If you had a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a wife or a husband who stabbed you in the back like Pujols did to Cardinal fans and the Cardinals themselves, by the way, 10 years ago, leaving this team in this city that adored him, poured hosannas on him, the Cardinals gave him $150 million, then another 209 offered, and it wasn't good enough for Pujols, who said no home team discounts. He then gave the finger to St. Louis and the fans, along with that wench wife of his, moved to California and didn't give a damn, didn't give a rat's ass about you. Then because no other team wanted him, despite his lies that other teams were bidding for his services, he comes back here and predictably stinks it up. He's horrific. All of a sudden after the All-Star break, as my friend Dan O'Neill pointed out in a social media post, he perhaps found the fountain of juice, uh, I'm sorry, fountain of youth. And all of a sudden is on fire. Now it also coincides with teams that are out of the pennant race throwing minor leaguers on the mound, many of whom would love to groove one to Pujols and claim, I was a part of history. I was his 695th home run. That's the insanity of baseball. You don't think that happens? Denny McLean, one of the greats in baseball history, the last 30-game winner, we'll never see another one. Grooved balls to Mickey Mantle, and Mickey Mantle's last at bat against him so that Mickey could deposit one 450 feet away, which he did. 
But the incredible story isn't that. And whether Pujols is juicing or not, that's not even the story. Unless you're a buffoon, you have to certainly raise suspicion. But Cardinal fans are fawning all over him. It's sickening. I see it on Facebook and every other social media outlet. The guy who told you to F off, you're now fawning over. Would you go back and fawn over your ex-wife who stabbed you in the back, took all your money, took your kids, took your house? Would you say, oh, hey, honey, God, it's great to see you doing well. Welcome back. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. It's not the best fans in baseball, the BFIB. It's the biggest fools in baseball. Still BFIB, but Cardinal Sheepo are the biggest fools in baseball. And they won't stop. They think it's some sort of badge of honor because years ago, one of those idiots in the media, George Will, called them the best fans in baseball. And Cardinal fans took that seriously, as if there was a measuring stick that the Yankee fans aren't any better, that the Twins fans aren't any better, the Dodgers fans aren't any better, only the Cardinal fans are great. It's so bad that Bob Nightingale of the USA Today wrote this about Pujols, indicting him, perhaps, for finding the fountain of juice. He didn't have a single homer in June and only six the first half of the season, but he's hit six home runs alone since August 10th. More than the combined total of seven entire teams. Now this is a Hosanna-filled article, but unwittingly Nightingale just pointed out what I'm saying. If you're not suspicious, you're crazy. But he says, while the rest of the baseball world may be feeling the effects of the dog days of summer, Pujol suddenly is invigorated. Yeah, I wonder why. He's hitting 438 the second half, 918 slugging average. All-time slugging percentage record for a second half, 908 by Barry Bonds. What was Barry Bonds doing when he did that? Steroids. I'm just making the comparison. You be the judge. Poole says, it's crazy. Just crazy. Every day that I go to a game, they're asking for the baseball. I say, what's this for? Oh, you just tied her past so-and-so. I didn't know that. I swear I'm not BSing you. I have no idea. Baloney. You're, you're full of BS. And then Nightingale says this. After all the evidence he just laid out that Pools could very well be juicing, he says, no matter what transpires the final six weeks, no matter whether he hits 700 homers, no matter how far the Cardinals go in October, he's leaving the game with an impeccable reputation. He is? To whom? Idiots? If you don't have your doubts about whether Pujols has been legitimate or not, you don't have doubts about anything. You live in a rose-colored world. Nightingale says he played the game clean, played it right, and respected the game every moment he stepped onto the field. How do you know? Are you in the locker room with him? Do you go to his training workouts? Are you in the gym with him? He then acts as though Pujols being okay, being pitch hit for by a rookie, shows what a grandiose gesture Pujols made. Because I guess because he didn't slit the guy's throat. I didn't realize that when you get pinch hit for and you don't start a riot, that you're supposed to be glorified for it. 
Apparently it is. He says it hurts him when he sees players like Fernando Tatis Jr. busted for performance-enhancing drugs. Hurts him. This is despicable. This crap. It makes me sick. Just makes you sick. I've never believed Pujols was legitimate. That's my own belief. Do I have any facts to say Albert Pujols was doing steroids? No, I don't have a single fact. Other than Jack Clark's assertion that a trainer told him that. Don't know how true that is. Jack Clark said it was true until Pujols threatened to sue him, and then Jack Clark caved like a manila folder. So is it true? Who knows? All you have to do is look at the numbers. Does it make sense to you that a 42-year-old will be doing this? Do players get better as they get older? Ask any doctor. Dr. Rick has weighed in on that several times on our show in the past. No, they don't get better as they get older. So explain to me Pujols' sudden surge. I'd like to hear it. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt by talking about the lollipops that pitchers are serving up to him. But in my own mind, I know that's just a small part of it. But this love affair is laughable. It's laughable. Do you know this about Pujols? And, of course, the Cardinal Sheep will never point this out. I noticed Bob Nightingale didn't point it out either. He's the king of double plays. He's hit into more double plays than any player in the history of baseball, and it isn't close. It isn't close. The guy who's second is 75 double plays behind him in the same number of at-bats. Now, why does that happen so often? Because Pujols has always been lazy. He's never hustled. And his little boy brother Molina picks that up from his big brother, and he never hustles. These two have embarrassed the game of baseball every time they've stepped on the field by not hustling. Young kids going to games saying, I don't have to run out ground balls. Albert Pools doesn't run them out. Yadier Molina doesn't run them out. And yet you have people in this town like Bernie Miklas who have always excused that. Well, you know, they play a lot. That's the key phrase. It's play. Play. It's baseball. It's not hockey. It's not football. It's not basketball. Where you actually have to be in shape to play. You don't have to be in any kind of physical shape to play baseball. Give me a break. Fat, pudgy guys have won 20 games in a season as a pitcher. And, of course, they lost again to the Cubs last night. If the Cardinals were in any other division, they wouldn't stand a chance. But because of this pathetic nature of baseball... And at trade deadlines, even the worst teams sell off their best players. The integrity of the game has never been as compromised as it is today. Between the steroid use that continues today and the lack of competitive integrity that is ongoing, the game will never be a fair test. There will be about 10 teams and only 10 teams who have a chance to get to the playoffs. Chance to get to the playoffs. Not a chance to win the World Series. Notice the difference. There are three teams in the National League that have a chance to win the World Series, and the Cardinals aren't one of them. The Dodgers, the Mets, and the Braves. There's only one team in the American League, the Astros. As we've seen the Yankees fading, and the Astros went in New York and spanked them around. Then the Yankees came to Houston and got spanked again. 
So the Yankees are, they don't have a chance. So four teams have a legitimate chance of winning the World Series. That's baseball's fault. They've allowed it. All right, that's my sports take while I was gone. Now let's get to Biden and his game of buying votes. I've never seen anything like it. And you have to say to yourself, is this even fair, Joe Willie, Wuhan, Otala Biden? I believe my plan is responsible and fair. The outrage over helping working people with student, with student loans, I think is just simply wrong, dead wrong. Wrong, dead wrong. So if you think it's not fair that I pay for Joe Smith's education when I didn't even go to college, if you think me being upset about that is dead wrong, then you're in Wuhan Willie's camp. Do you want to be in that muddling idiot's camp? Because that's where he is. Now, of course, he's lying. He knows it's not fair. He He's an imbecile. But even he knows that. Any functioning brain illiterate knows that. There's no sense of fairness involved at all. Now, I wondered if he really thought it was fair as he was leaving the podium yesterday and a reporter had the nerve to ask him this comparison. Mr. President, is this unfair to people who paid their student loans or chose not to take out loans? Is it fair to people who, in fact, uh, do not own the multi-billion dollar businesses and if she wants these guys to get more effective? Is that fair? What do you think? Does anybody in the room know what he was talking about? Anybody? Bueller? That made no sense at all, not even to him. Of course, nothing makes sense to him. What was he even talking about? He knows it's not fair. He knows he's a pandering political hack. And it made me wonder if a college education is really worth getting anymore because if you're being indoctrinated to the level that you think this is fair, then there's something missing in your education. But guess what happened on the way to the bank? The very people whose votes Biden's trying to buy think it's unfair. Students. I don't support canceling student loan debt. It's kind of unfair to people that have paid loans before. It comes from uh, whether it's taxpayers or they have to raise that. Of course, taxes, probably prices are going to get higher because of that. I don't think he should do it at all. I really think he could care less about the actual like loan aspect of it. It's really... Um, to put himself in a good light with younger voters. Bingo. Excuse me for a moment. We know securing the future, excuse me, a hundred years from now, from people, you're the reason. Excuse me. I told you that bronchitis was a bitch. But it was. So the students think it's unfair. So there's your answer, Joe Willie. The students think it's unfair. Now, is it legal? So we've we've tested it from the fairness angle. It's not fair. Everybody knows it's unfair. I mean, we can repeat the same comparisons all day. Should the guy next door have to pay? Should people that didn't go to school have to pay? Should Why should I pay for your contract that you signed? All of those arguments are the simple ones to make because they're all true. This is the only time in our nation's history where a politician is trying to justify the breaking of a contract. I mean, it's 
But laws mean nothing to liberals. They break them every chance they can if they get in their way. They tear up State of the Union speeches on national television. It's it's the culture of the liberals. They're a sick group. They're really sick. But unfortunately for Joe Willie, just a year ago, good old drooling Nancy Pelosi, while shaking all over the place, shut down Joe Willie's plan for transferring student debt on loans to other people. People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. I, w- I don't even like to call it forgiveness because that Im- implies a transgression. It's not to be forgiven. Get just freeing people from those obligations. So that's not even a discussion. That not everybody realizes that, but the president can only postpone, delay, but not forgive. How interesting. And yet yesterday, maybe she's found a bottle of vodka in her husband's car. She tweeted this out. The president's bold action is a strong step in Democrats' fight to expand access to higher education. By delivering historic targeted student debt relief to millions of borrowers, more working families will be able to meet their kitchen table needs as they recover from the pandemic. What are working families? Isn't that everybody? Except the deadbeats who Biden pays to stay home. So I'm trying to follow this logic, and it's very hard. It racks my brain. It truly does. makes me want to cough. If you follow her logic, any debt that you have should be transferred. I mean, doesn't my car payment inhibit me being able to pay other bills? Of course it does. If I didn't have that car payment, I could pay for other kitchen table needs. Like, you know, fillets every night. Salmon. Imported from the ocean from somewhere. So all of your debts are to be transferred, according to Pelosi, so that you can be able to meet your kitchen table needs. Peter Ducey decided to ask KJP, Karine Jean-Pierre, about this. Now, I know that Biden's answer to the question of fairness was a doozy. This is Ducey, not a doozy, with Karine Jean-Pierre, and then with a White House official who, I guess, had the deer-in-the-headlights look when he was questioned and admitted the absolute truth. But before the truth came out, Jean-Pierre tried to fill the air with nonsensical babble, stupid comments, lies, and everything else. When you forgive debt, you're not just disappearing debt. So but who is paying for what, this? When you think about the, the $4 billion that are going, that's going to go back uh, into, as, as revenue, back into uh, this process of folks uh, paying, paying, right, their college tuition, that matters as well. So we are doing this in a smart way. The people that already paid their student loans, right. they don't get anything out of this deal. Right. <laughs> Me, I don't get anything out of this deal. 
What was she talking about when you factor in the $4 billion paid into the process of folks paying tuition? What is she talking about? Between these two, Biden and her, well, throw drunken drinking Nancy Pelosi in there. Throw them all in there. Harris, do you understand a word they say? They're such born liars that they even get caught muddling their own lies. Now, if you're going to lie for a living, and they do, wouldn't you at least be creative and try to come up with some pretty good ones? They don't even come up with good ones. They just lie. And they get caught in their lies, and they dip and doodle around it, and they don't care because nobody follows up. Someone should have said to her, what the fuck are you talking about? But nobody will. Nobody ever will. They just don't. So after all those lies were told, it was the first chance that anyone got to ask O'Biden whether or not he had advanced notice of the raid on President Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. Peter Ducey did the honors. Here's the answer. Mr. President, how much advance notice did you have of the FBI's plan to search Mar-a-Lago? I didn't have any advance notice. None. Zero. Not one single bit. Thank you. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. I'm over here. Yeah, we're over here because that's a lie. Now, how do we know it's a lie? We're going to find out here in just a few minutes because this was such a bold-faced lie. I mean, I'm at a loss to even come close to understanding. Mike Davis is the president of Article 3, the Article 3 Foundation. Here's what he said to respond to Biden's not knowing in advance. That Merrick Garland said that the Biden White House didn't have advance notice. That's just not true. We know that White House Deputy Counsel to the President, Jonathan Sue, like you said, have been, has been working with the archives for, for three months. And he, that the Biden, President Biden had to make the determination himself as the president whether he was going to waive executive privilege for the former president. That is an unprecedented waiver of executive privilege that led to this criminal investigation and this, and this raid, this unprecedented, unnecessary, and unlawful raid on Biden's former political rival and his future political rival. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Now, we know what they're trying to do. They're trying to indict President Trump because they're desperate to keep him from running. We know that. We've known that for a long time. But what standard would it take to indict President Trump on anything? Alan Dershowitz knows. What standard, Professor, do the liberals have to meet in order to try to derail Donald Trump's campaign? Well, the Get Trump squad will do anything without regard to the Constitution. If they want to indict Trump, it darn well better meet the Nixon standard. The Nixon standard is the crimes are so serious and obvious that even the Republicans are in favor of prosecuting him or impeaching him. Unless they reach that standard, if they end up with controversial and disputed issues about classification, who gets the classify and declassify, does the president, Wall Street Journal today says the president has the right to keep these things in a secure place, Mm. that will divide the country and will certainly not satisfy anything like the Nixon standard. It's not so much that he's a former president. It's worse. He's a future president. He may run after the current, run against the current president. 
And the idea of the current attorney general weaponizing the law to make it easier for the incumbent to win re-election over the former president would just would really hurt the country enormously. And I, I would hope that Merrick Garland would understand. Come on, Professor Dershowitz, you know that Merrick Garland understands it, but doesn't care. You know that these people, these liberals do not care about how much division there is in the country. In fact, they stir it every day. They don't care what's good for the country. They don't care. They care about one thing, power. And with power, of course, comes money, personal enrichment. Whether legal or illegal, they'll do it. They've proven it. They don't care about laws. They don't care about you or me. They'll buy votes. They'll blatantly pander and buy votes. These are sick people. I'll say it again. Mentally ill degenerates. That's what liberals are. And they're not going to change. It's who they are. Get the power from them. Change the culture to to sanity versus insanity. And we might have a fighting chance. Now, Chris Wecker is a former assistant director of the FBI. Today's the day that the judge down there in Florida is going to receive the redacted version of the affidavit from the Department of Justice. By the way, that Sharpie will run out of ink. They'll, they will have redacted so much. Then the judge has to decide whether the redactions are correct. And should this stuff be hidden? Of course, he will decide that because he's just an arm. He's a corrupt arm in the judiciary of the FBI and the Department of Justice. So we already know that. So after the Department of Justice lies and the judge looks at the affidavit, what are we going to be left with, Chris Swecker? Anything? So all that leaves us is the conduct of the former president. And I think that uh, DOJ would be more than happy to release that. And if they release anything, my concern is that's all they're going to release. And that is, you know, that's information that, uh, that without context is detrimental to the ex-president. So they're going to tell you, and this is all they're going to tell you, they're going to release parts of the affidavit where they claim President Trump has done something wrong. And that's it. So the image that will be left with the idiots of this country, and the 98% of the country are idiots, that image is going to be that Donald Trump did something wrong. It's exactly the picture they want to paint. And that's what they're going to do today. Chris Swecker is no fool. I wondered if Chris Swecker thinks the Department of Justice is simply after Trump. Well, the first thing is that the the DOJ was spring-loaded and still is to investigate all things related to Trump. However, when that, you know, when that happens, the stigma that's attached to that never really goes away. Yet when there's total vindication, 100% vindication, no, we don't hear anything about it. So unless, unless somebody actually makes a formal request for it, in this case, you know, the, the nonprofit or, or the, uh, the think tank that, that requested the information wasn't real happy with the results, so they didn't publicize it. So, you know, I think it's just more evidence. I think that that the Justice Department is not, you know, the equal application of justice is definitely in question, if you will. That's an understatement. Yeah, I agree. That's an understatement. That's a big-time understatement, actually. Anybody who thinks this system's fair probably believes the student loan uh, debt being transferred to innocent people is fair. Only in America, under liberal leadership, 
not, not liberal leadership, I'm sorry, liberal corruption, would anyone try to take money from people who did nothing wrong and pay off loans that deadbeats made? What? This is really a two-step deal, and it's pretty simple. One, you borrowed money. Two, pay it off. That's it. There's nothing else to discuss. Only a political corrupt hack who tries to buy votes would try to pull this off. Now, Chris Wecker, with regard to the affidavit and all of these whistleblowers coming and complaining to uh, Senator Grassley and others, about the lies that the FBI are telling, the corruption within the FBI, the single-mindedness of the FBI to get Donald Trump and allow the Bidens to skate home free, is credible. Swecker believes the whistleblower's stories are 100% spot on. Now, why does he think that? Let him tell you. I talked to people inside and outside the FBI, colleagues of mine, uh, you know, a whole a wide circle of people. And I think this is the single issue that gets them really worked up over how the Justice Department is operating now. And that is, you know, here's the here's this laptop, uh, the, you know, obvious incriminating information on it, a two-year investigation plus. And we know they had at least a money laundering investigation because the receipt given for the laptop had an FBI money laundering case file number. I recognize the designation on it. So even you know, even people inside the bureau are scratching their head and saying, why, why are we sitting on this? Why hasn't this case moved in two years, yet all this other proactive, you know, aggressive investigation on other matters that involve Trump? Yeah, what about that? There's interesting evidence out there. And... Mike Davis, who you heard from a moment ago, the president of Article 3 Foundation, is going to give it to us here momentarily as to what they're really after. So much speculation has been out there. Well, the nuclear code, how about that one? Nuclear information that Trump's stolen was going to sell to Russia. They've actually said this on the air on national television. He was going to sell it to Russia. When will they ever let go of Russia? Hasn't enough crap blown up in their faces? But these liars continue to lie as if it never blew up. Matt Gates, in a hearing with the Assistant Attorney General, the Assistant Attorney General, Matthew Olson, took this line of questioning and handed this ass at his lunch. But it shows further proof that the FBI and the Department of Justice has no interest in ever answering questions as if their egos supersede the Constitution, all sense of decency and fair play, they're bigger than you, and they don't have to answer you. Is Hunter Biden a national security threat? That's not a question that would come up before me, uh, Congressman. You're the head of the National Security Division, so it seems sort of on the nose. It's not in my practice or experience to identify individuals and and to label any individual, an American citizen or any individual, as a national security threat. Well, you would certainly concede that if the adult offspring of the President of the United States or the Vice President were compromised, that would be a national security threat, right? 
We speak through our filings in court, um, and we speak through our actions in in, in open court. Um, so I would, yeah, well, I would speak to this. Where's the in, laptop? In that position. Do you know where Hunter Biden's laptop is? Again, I'm not going to talk about any potential Just ongoing you investigation know where it is? as I sit do here. you know where it is? I'm not going to talk about any ongoing you, you, investigation. You come here and you tell us you follow here. the facts in the law, but you can't even follow a laptop that you guys have had for three years. We follow the facts in the law and we speak in open court about our yeah, cases. But you aren't speaking about this, but you know who is speaking about it? The whistleblowers from the FBI who've gone to, to Senator Grassley and said that you guys purposefully take any information that is that is derogatory about Hunter Biden and you go and rat hole it so that you never have to speak about it in any circumstance. But the good news is you're not the only ones with that laptop. So Patrick Ho was convicted of bribing government officials in Africa, and he gave a million bucks to Hunter Biden. Are you familiar with that? I'm not going to speak about any ongoing investigation. I is can, that an ongoing? I can assure is that, you that an ongoing investigation? I can. I'm not going to. Patrick I'm not going to speak about any potential ongoing. Like, don't investigation. you see that that degrades the country's like belief in you guys when you have whistleblowers saying that you're purposefully rat holing this information, and then you come here and say you won't talk about it? I mean, you know, inside Hunter Biden's multi-million-dollar deals with a Chinese energy company, Washington Post, Matt Vizier, Chinese elite. Paid $31 million to Hunter and the Bidens, Peter Schweitzer in the New York Post. Hunter Biden's business partner called Joe Biden the big guy in panic messages. Do you guys call Joe Biden the big guy at the Department of Justice? So I think it's important to understand why we don't speak about cases outside of the courtroom. But, but, by, we, the we way, that, by the way, the, we, we I already know why. You know why you don't speak about it? Because it's about Hunter Biden. You guys have no problem leaking about other stuff, right? Like you got no problem going out and tagging parents at school board meetings as a national security threat. But when all the facts and all of the law are before you regarding the corruption of Hunter Biden, you don't want to speak to that at all. And it's precisely why you've got folks that are talking to Senator Grassley about it. Carpe triple diem to Matt Gates. Boy, how true is that, huh? How true is that? Can you believe that coward? These people are abject cowards. They know how corrupt they are. They know how many lies they're telling. They know how many things they're covering up for. And then when they're confronted about it, they hide behind the coward's excuse. Well, we don't talk about ongoing investigations. And then when you ask him, well, is that an ongoing investigation? He won't even answer that. The corruption of this government is so total and so complete that it may be irreparable. I don't know how you weed these people out. I really don't. There's too many of them. It's like an anthill. You step on an anthill, how many ants come running out of there? You step on Washington, D.C., it's the same thing. Corrupt ants just come running out in droves. They're everywhere. One thing you can be assured of, though, is they're all corrupt. Now, what are they really after? You have to ask yourself this, because Donald Trump has the power, as a president, to classify or declassify any document he pleases. He also has the legal authority to take things as personal papers. He alone decides what's personal. He has cooperated with the National Archives people and the Department of Justice. Here, look through my boxes that someone packed. If you think such and such shouldn't be here, let's talk about the merits of it. That's what they were doing. They didn't dodge any subpoenas or anything of that nature. 
They fully cooperated. So what the liberals are now telling you in this country and judges who do not like Donald Trump and publicly said so, yet refuse to recuse themselves, nice sense of fairness there, are telling you that even if you cooperate with these Nazis, it's not going to be enough. They're going to keep coming at you. They're going to pretend as though you didn't cooperate, and then they're going to lie about it. And then when they're able to, they'll deny having to talk about it. But Mike Davis, the president of Article 3 Foundation, knows exactly what they're after. So all the speculation that you've heard, nuclear papers, this paper, that paper, all of the document ex- uh, speculation is all bullcrap. Here's what they're after. This is a political witch hunt, a political fishing expedition on President Trump because the Biden administration knows that President Trump declassified and made personal a copy of the crossfire hurricane records, Russian collusion records. Those records are very damaging politically to Obama, Biden, Hillary, the FBI, the intel community, and that's why they... They ordered, they went to this biased judge in Florida and got this unprecedented home raid on a former president to get back these documents. That's what they're after. Trump has them. They know he has them. They know he has them by the short ones, and they're desperate. They're desperate to not have him run because they know he'll win. They're desperate to not have him expose their corruption because they know he will. And they can't get him. They can't get him on anything. So now they're going to have a corrupt grand jury try to indict him on what? Oh, they'll create something. Because they believe that an an indicted Donald Trump won't run for president, no matter how corrupt the indictment is. And they might be right. And it might hinder him winning. And who wins if that's the case? Do you win? Do I win? No, the liberals win. And that's all they care about. Power, greed, thievery. They have stolen so much of your money, it's sickening. When are you people going to wake up? If I come into your house and steal your money, you'd probably shoot me. But you'll willingly let liberals take it. Explain that to me. This whole country's gone mad. And then, of course, they're always trying to get Trump on some bogus January 6th insurrection inciting violence nonsense. While I was sick, my research assistant was busy saving a bunch of things for me for the comeback show. And she found these things. You tell me who incites violence in this country at the political spectrum. Is it Donald Trump or is it his Democrat and liberal media opponents? I am your president of law and order and an ally of all peaceful protesters. The vast majority of, of the protesters have been peaceful. Republicans stand for law and order and we stand for justice. I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. My administration will always stand against violence, mayhem, and disorder. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. I stand with the heroes of law enforcement. We will never defund our police. 
Together we will ensure that America is a nation of law and order. We're in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. But I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. I feel like punching him. We just want law and order. Everybody wants that. I want to tell you, Lord Judge, I want to tell you, Kevin Hart, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. We want law and order. We have to have law and order. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. We believe in safe streets, secure communities, and we believe in law and order. It's a pretty easy distinction, isn't it? Pelosi claiming she doesn't understand why there aren't uprisings in the streets all over America. Maybe there will be. She's pulling for it. She's sending her little dog whistle out to you. Hey, create an uprising. Then that Hyanna Presley, there'll be unrest in the streets as long as there's unrest in our lives. Interesting. They all want to punch him. First of all, Joe Biden, you haven't beaten the crap out of anybody in your life. So let, let me tell you something, tough guy. You're not a tough guy. You're a coward and you're a reject. And anyone, anyone, even the most abject coward would kick your ass in a physical altercation. Trust me. You're the typical big mouth who talks tough and has nothing to back it up. And then when you get your ass kicked, after you invite it, as you just did, you go whining to the police or something, you know, he assaulted me. Nobody deserves an ass kicking like this guy. And he's asking for it. He's begging for it. He's threatening Trump. If this was high school, I'd take him out behind the gym and beat the crap out of him. Again, you wouldn't beat the crap out of the water boy. What a punk. What an abject punk who lives in the White House. That's what this country is. Loaded with liberal punks. And now you've got the arch villain of the bogus pandemic, the plandemic, little Dr. Tony Fauci, claiming he's going to resign. But of course it's not because he's a liar or because he's facing such public outrage that no one could live with it, much less stand up to it. It's not for those reasons. He's doing the country a service, I guess, in his mind. Well, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, thinks it's Fauci who's the problem, who's always been the problem, who always will be the problem. And He knows that liberal dopes actually run around bragging when they test positive for COVID. Follow this because what he says is true. You know, you have these people who will get infected. They'll go to Twitter or something and they'll post, I have tested positive for COVID-19. I am so happy that I've taken four booster shots and all this. And I'm thinking to myself... If I get came down with measles, I wouldn't thank the MMR vaccine. I'd be upset that it didn't work. So there's no basis to force this on anybody. That's your choice. The people's governor. It's incredible, isn't it? They brag how they've tested positive for COVID, but I'm triple vaxxed. You're triple nuts. These people are insane. 
And little Tony thinks we're all misremembering what he really did while he scared the bejesus out of everybody. He didn't lock anybody down. He wants you to know that. In fact, I think we need to make sure that your listeners understand I didn't shut down anything, but, well, I don't think it's forever irreparably damaged anyone, but I think obviously, and if you go back and people selectively pull things out about me, I was also one of the people that said, we've got to do everything we can to get the children back in school. What an effing liar. He never said anything remotely close to that. In fact, he scared parents and school administrators into closing the schools down. In lockstep with that corrupt teachers union thief. Well, Ron DeSantis knows that kids have suffered enough. He also has an idea what he'd like to do with Fauci. This is classic. This is radio gold. This is political gold from the governor of Florida who will either be the vice presidential candidate with Donald Trump or the presidential candidate. You have people like Fauci saying that his lockdowns didn't cause any permanent damage to any young kids. I got news for you, it did, and we are going to reap those rewards across the whole country for years and years and years because they treated kids so poorly. And I'm just sick of seeing him. I know he says he's going to retire. Someone needs to grab that little elf and chuck him across the Potomac. Carpe quadruple diem, Ron DeSantis. Somebody needs to grab that little elf and chuck him across the Potomac. Those are words to live by. I'll never forget those words. If that doesn't give you a sense of I want to vote for DeSantis, nothing will. Is that beautiful? Grab that little elf by the neck and chuck him across the Potomac. Even Rand Paul didn't do that well when he cross-examined the little liar in front of Congress under oath, when he lied under oath. You know, I think it was President Trump who said the other day, might have been someone else, that his passport should be confiscated, Fauci's, because he's a flight risk. He's a criminal. He knows he's a criminal. He knows he lied, he knows he lied under oath. He knows he is responsible for this pandemic. He knows he's responsible for the virus escaping the lab in Wuhan because he was in on it. He knows all of that. He is a flight risk. Why else would that little egomaniac retire? Or resign, whichever it is. Charlie Crist is a former governor of Florida, serving in Congress now, Democrat. He used to be a Republican. But when the Republicans pulled their support from him, he became a Democrat. That's how honest he is. But he's also got other peccadillos in his life. Some real questionable tactics some real questionable behavior. And he believes somehow that he's more honorable than Ron DeSantis. And like Hillary Clinton before him, decides he'll attack the voters who vote for DeSantis. Those who support the governor should stay with him and vote for him. And I don't want your vote. If you have that hate in your heart, keep it there. I want the vote of the people of Florida who care about our state. Did you ever notice not a single liberal will ever tell you what they're running on? It's always you have hate in your heart. You're a racist. You're a misogynist. You're this. You're anti-gay. You don't like transgenders. You're all those things. 
but but what are you what are you going to do for the people of the country? You're a racist. You're a misogynist. You have hate in your heart. You're deplorable. Well, DeSantis has a good answer as to why those people will vote for him, Charlie Crist. And he also has the answer as to what he's running on and has accomplished. People support me because I kept the state open and protected their jobs. Charlie Crist wanted it locked down. So that's not hate in their heart. They're just appreciative that they had a governor who was standing up for them. Parents around the state support me uh, because we made sure schools were open and we're working to make sure they get education, not indoctrination. That's not hate in their heart. They're just appreciative that they have a governor that's fighting for them. Carpe diem, Governor DeSantis. How many carpe diems have I given him today? And he deserves every one of them. Every single one of them. People are appreciative when they have a politician who actually looks out for them. Not the special interests, not all the pressures. Can you imagine the pressures that were brought to bear on Ron DeSantis and other governors who kept their states open? Can you imagine? They were called everything by Biden and his band of thieves and criminals. These lying liberals are now trying to convince you that crime isn't a problem in this country. Crime in New York City is not a problem. Lisa Booth, that slug thug who was out on probation, lifetime probation, by the way, who just slugged that black kid from behind, broke his jaw for no reason whatsoever. We see the video. That slug thug is that one of the reasons you yourself left new york city this is one of the reasons people like me have left new york city i moved to florida in part because of this in part because of covid and a variety of other reasons but the crime and and look it's not just the soft on crime uh policies of the left it's not just the defund the police stuff it's deeper and worse than that the left has embraced criminals they have lionized them they've idolized them they've put up statues of george floyd and you could say what happened to him shouldn't have happened but they put up statues of a man who robbed a woman, pointed a gun at her stomach. He he he, he had done this. The, of our own vice president, Kamala Harris, told Jacob Blake she was proud of him, a man who showed up at a woman's house to re-victimize her, pulled a knife on police officers. You can go back to 2014 with Ferguson with the hands up, don't shoot lie of Michael Brown. Obama helped push that lie. He perpetuated that lie. He peddled that lie. And it was a lie. His own DOJ would find that Michael Brown was the the aggressor. Michael Brown was the one that charged Officer Darren Wilson. So it's not just soft on crime. It's not just deep on the police. It's a full-on embrace from the left of criminals. She's 100% correct. It's a full embrace of criminals from liberals. And it starts with Biden. It goes right down to these local prosecutors. St. Louis has it. Local mayors. They embrace crime. They're not soft on crime. They embrace it. If you were just soft on crime, you would have kept that thug in jail after he slugged that kid. They let him out. He's out. Who would let that violent thug out of any jail anywhere, anytime? Liberals would. Now, you don't wish harm on anyone, but I do now. I wish that that thug would go after some liberal and knock the holy crap out of them. And he will. 
It's just by process of elimination. He'll be banging heads all, all along Main Street, and sooner or later he'll get a liberal head. And then you'll hear the screaming. People like David Carlucci, who's a former congressman, says Lisa Booth is wrong. The crime rate is relative to what we see reported in the media. Uh, there is crime that has been up, but it's relative to what we saw when we escaped the recession of the late 2000s. The homicide rate in New York is nothing what it was in the 1980s and 1990s. In fact, it was five times higher. We could point to guns. That's what's killing people around this country, and Republicans still refuse to do nothing about it. <laughs> of course, you can make those numbers up. But let's ask him this question. Who cleaned up the crime in New York City when it was high before? Who cleaned it up? Rudy Giuliani. First as U.S. Attorney. Then as mayor. And since Giuliani's left office, New York City's gone to hell in a handbasket. Lisa Booth, is David Carlucci telling the truth? Where this is happening, if you look, it's these liberal cities run by liberal mayors who have no idea what they're doing. And and George Soros prosecutors who want criminals out of jail and are doing their darnest to make sure that happened. And no Mm -hmm. offense, Dave, but it's your mentality that's creating this problem because you are, again, defending the criminals. You're saying that somehow law-abiding... I'm not done. I'm not done. Hold on. Hold your horses. You're saying people like me, who is about to be a first-time gun owner, a law-abiding citizen who takes it seriously, I'm the problem, but the criminals who are the ones pulling the trigger out doing the problems... Those are the people who shouldn't have guns. Those are the people. But unfortunately, your prosecutors, your liberal mayors are the ones letting them out of jail. So spare me with your sanctimony garbage. The crime rate in Florida is just as bad, if not worse, than in New York. The reality is is that... That's not true. I live in Miami, so we don't have these problems there, my friend. Carpe diem, Lisa Booth. What a little liar this David Carlucci is. What an effing liar. Crime rate's higher in Florida than it is in New York. Why are people fleeing New York for Florida, you moron? Because they want to go to more crime? These idiot liberals lie so much that they don't even take time to win. Wait a minute. Now, that lie, I might get caught on that one. I better do my homework on that one because she lives in Miami. Oops. I stepped in that pile of liberal crap. They don't care. He'll tell the same lie tomorrow. Now their big thing, of course, as we all know, is changing words. So they want to change the English language, the meaning of words. Recession is no longer what recession is. Everything else is out of whack. That's their goal. Father Calvin Robinson is a deacon in a church over in England, in the U.K., and he has had enough of pedophiles who now refer to themselves I mean, if you can even believe this, minor attracted people. Now, if you're a pedophile, if you're at a park and you're casing the joint for little kids, what other reason are you there for? You're not minor attracted. You're a pedophile. And Father Calvin Robinson understands it, and he's passionate about us stopping them. Uh, let's not mince our words here. This is the greatest evil there is. What we're talking about is the normalization of pedophilia. That is all we're seeing here. And you're right, they're reclaiming the words. They're taking over the language and defining it in a very clever way. Because once they say, these are not pedophiles, these are 
minor attracted people. They can say they're also vilified, as we heard there, persecuted. And then they'll say they are an oppressed minority group and therefore they deserve to be a protected characteristic. And then all of a sudden we have paedophiles or pedophiles being protected under the law. And that's what they're after here. And it's very, very, there's nothing more dangerous. Carpe diem, Father Robinson. I hadn't thought of it that way. They changed the wording of a pedophile to be a minor attracted person. And the liberals, of course, of course, all rejoice. Oh, yeah, that's true. And so then if you call them a pedophile, they're vilified. They're persecuted. And now they are an oppressed group and they get protection under the law. Pedophiles. Their goal is to get pedophiles protection under the law. People that prey on your young children, liberals want to protect. Are you starting to get it? If you're too dumb, you haven't gotten it yet. And they think in Minnesota that they can simply make a rule, school policy at a, at a school district, that when layoffs come, the first rounds of layoffs will be white teachers, not blacks, not Hispanics, not Indians, not Asians, but white people. Now, if you had changed the wording to say black people, you would rightfully expect protest in Minnesota. You would expect burning down of buildings because that's what liberals would do when they peacefully protest. But they said white people. So, of course, you didn't see any protests. You didn't see any violence. You didn't see any burning down of buildings, did you? Of course not. Alan Dershowitz knows how laughable that is. So do we here at our show. We know that this student loan transfer of debt is illegal, unconstitutional, and it will not survive a court test. But do you know why Biden's doing it? He knows it won't survive a court test. But it will take so long to wind its way through the courts that he believes he will have bought off enough votes to hold court for the midterms by the time it's ruled unconstitutional. It's an empty promise. Whoever out there thinks you're going to get your student debt loan transferred, you're stupid. You're going to pay it or you're going to be a defaulter, but no one else is going to pay it. That's never going to happen. Never. And Alan Dershowitz knows that in Minnesota, it's just another liberal flag. Clearly unconstitutional. The Supreme Court of the United States will decide next term that even Harvard, a private university's policy of uh, giving racial advantages is unconstitutional. Race simply cannot be alone a factor in making governmental decisions. You can look at seniority. You can look at qualifications, meritocracy. You can define meritocracy broadly, but you can't say that an advantage or disadvantage occurs just because of a race. It's so simple, but they ignore the Constitution. Alan Dershowitz knows it. You can tell as a libertarian he's frustrated by these liberals because they're not Democrats anymore. They're psychopathic liberals. They're insane. It's, it's just a blatant disregard for all laws, all constitutional provisions, all constitutional rights. They don't care. The law? you got to be shitting me. We don't care about the law. They go after journalists now. They sick the FBI and the Department of Justice on journalists. You know who else did that? Adolf Hitler. 
any dissenters were imprisoned, sent to concentration camps. That's what they're trying to do to James O'Keefe, who's with Project Veritas. They want to shut down Project Veritas because it goes undercover and it does real investigative reporting. So they want to shut it down. They've raided his home. They've stolen things from him. And I wonder, James O'Keefe, has the FBI ever done anything like this in the past that you remember? What's happening to you has never happened before. To any journalist. Now they're starting to point guns at us and take our reporters' notebooks. That's never happened before. So I do admire people like Ed Snowden. I admire Julian Assange. I admire Dan Ellsberg. I admire Mike Wallace. I don't know what's happened. I don't know why the billion-dollar corporations aren't doing the job. It's left to scrappy, broke, entrepreneurial, enterprising people. But so be it. So be it is right. I admire those same people, by the way. I've said all along I admire Ed Snowden, Julian Assange, Mike Wallace. Not Chris Wallace, Mike Wallace. What's interesting is that President Trump, when he was in office, called Edward Snowden a criminal. Now, I think there was some pandering going on there from Trump. I think when he first got in there, he was trying to cozy up to McConnell because he knew he needed McConnell's cooperation. That's why he put his Chinese spy, communist wife, in his cabinet. He regrets that to this day. He now thinks the the McConnells should be prosecuted. He's right, but he looks stupid because of what he did in terms of his hiring. But you have to play those devil's games. Sometimes in Washington, even even when you're good, you have to dance with that devil up there because you can't get anything done otherwise. The only way to get it done is to get rid of McConnell. That's the truth. James O'Keefe was asked if it's okay to deceive your subject that you're interviewing. In other words, go undercover. Because either either you deceive your subject that you're investigating to tell the truth to your audience, or you don't deceive your subject and you tell untruths to your audience. In other words, if you just take what your subject is saying at face value, you will be disseminating perhaps falsehoods to millions of people. So there's an ethicist named Lewis Hodges who argues in a thesis paper, you have a moral imperative to deceive your subject if your mission is to tell the truth to your audience. This is also written about in a book called The Journalist and the Murderer, which is a famous book in the 1990s. Janet Malcolm, who's a legendary journalist, wrote that a journalist always deceives their subject. It's a confidence game that you must play if your intention is to do investigative reporting. If your intention is to read off teleprompters and to deliver and to play a stenographer and to tell the public what the two-star general wants you to know, well, I would argue that's a worse deception. And you must choose between these two types of quote-unquote deception. I've never heard it explained so well. He's right. If you know that your interview subject is a lying criminal, and if you go undercover, you'll be able to get the truth out of them, which the public deserves to know. To me, that is perfectly acceptable investigative reporting. That's what investigative reporting is. Sometimes you have to plant yourself in in a group and fool them into thinking you're one of them in order to get the real story. It's okay when the government does it. Why shouldn't it be okay when a journalist does it? It is okay. What isn't okay is the second part of that description, that you know the general's lying, and you're going to go ahead and just broadcast his lies. That's what 99.9% of media does today. 
They simply parrot the lies of government officials, pass them on to you. That's all. They never question them, never so much as hold them accountable at all. They keep talking about holding Donald Trump accountable. Accountable for what? We hold him accountable here on our show for some of the worst hiring moves anyone's ever made. You can't get around that. I do understand the logic behind some of it, but not all of it. He now wants McConnell investigated and his wife. And he says the Democrats have Mitch McConnell and his lovely wife, Elaine Coco Chow, over a barrel. They'll never be prosecuted as long as he continues to give the radical left the trillions and trillions of dollars that they constantly demand. He's right. McConnell will never be prosecuted, but he's not an opposition leader. As Trump says, he's a pawn for the Democrats to get whatever they want. He's afraid of them. He'll not do what has to be done. A new Republican leader in the Senate should be picked immediately. It's very true. McConnell and his wife have spent decades getting rich on China. Remember, her family owns a company that is in lockstep, part owned owned by the Chinese Communist Party. The grifting scheme on behalf of Chow's shipping company is outrageous. It's so bad that the Office of the Inspector General for the Department of Transportation, which she chaired, released a report confirming that Chow used her official position and taxpayer resources for the benefit of herself and her family. Evidence of the wrongdoing in the report was communicated in a criminal referral to the Department of Justice, to the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia, and to the Department of Justice Public Integrity Section. But none of them opened an investigation. None of them. But I say to Donald Trump, you hired her. The TV ad that every Republican congressman, woman, senator, president, vice president should run in November and in the 2024 election is this one given to us courtesy of the big mouth illiterate liberals who hate police. Now, if you notice, as we get closer to the midterms, they like the police. They're starting to like them when they found out how that idea blew up in their face. But hold them accountable to their own words, as we always do on this show. So we've been talking about defunding the police. Uh, There's some issues that we ask police to do, like mental health issues or policing in schools and all the rest, that perhaps we can uh, shuffle some of that money around. Suck it up. Defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police. Mayor Eric Garcetti saying, take some of the money from policing, about $150 million. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, But we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. So, yes, defund your butts. Defund you. Yes, I support the reallocation of resources uh, from NYPD. We will be moving funding from the NYPD to youth initiatives and social services. Did you notice Cori Bush in there? She sounds like a street whore, street thug. Treasonous scum. Let me be blunt. Treasonous scum. That's what she is. What an embarrassment to St. Louis and Missouri. 
And there are people that are going to try to vote her in again. Andrew Jones, we're praying for you, my friend. Andrew Jones is one of the people that contacted me to ask how I was doing. What a nice man he is. He's busy as can be, probably exhausted by his work schedule, running for office and the like, and yet he took time to ask if I was doing okay. That's the kind of a person you want to see in public office. But my favorite is always Adam Schiff, and especially when he's on with that buffoon, that nitwit, that single-digit IQ, Nicole, whatever her name is. I can't even think. Wallace. And after they go through their litany of hatred for Donald Trump, Schiff basically just says, you know, we just need to stop him from running. Well, we've seen a pattern with Donald Trump, and that is when he's not held accountable, he goes on to commit worse misconduct. He wasn't held accountable for his Russian misconduct that led to Ukraine. He wasn't uh, held accountable for the worst uh, misconduct in Ukraine. It led to uh, a literal attack on our democracy on January 6th. Uh, if he's not held accountable uh, and he's ever given an opportunity to exercise power again, we can expect things that are worse still. And so, uh, you know, we are forewarned about this man. Uh, we always knew the importance of character in the Oval Office, but we didn't really know until we had someone without character occupy that office. Uh, so I, I, I have to think that whatever motivation brought those documents to Mar-a-Lago, I had nothing to do with the president wanted to do his homework or the national security needs of the country. There's only one thing that's ever been important to Donald Trump, and that is Donald Trump. Uh, and that's just ought to be an utter disqualification from office. So let me see if I can follow that serial liar's line of thinking it's hard i know it's it is very difficult to follow him first of all he says donald trump's russian misconduct led to ukraine excuse me to the ukraine war you mean with with putin donald trump's illegally losing the election led to putin's invasion of ukraine once again Schiff, your own henchman handpicked by that corrupt robert Mueller. And we've seen the evidence of the corruption of those people that investigated Trump on Russia. Yielded nothing. Trump did nothing wrong. William Barr, in fact, just released an unredacted letter of exoneration for Donald Trump. So when you continue to say this, we just laugh at you because you're a laughable cartoon. But then he goes on to say if, that Donald Trump, if I heard him correctly is the only man that didn't have character that's ever been in the White House. First of all, Donald Trump's character is so far above yours, you serial liar. You wouldn't even know what character is. But you're telling us that Biden has character? That Obama has character? That Bill Clinton had character? That George W. Bush had character? That George H.W. Bush had character? Are you kidding those are some of the most rotten people in American political history. But if we don't stop Donald Trump, he'll do worse. Worse? You've been trying for seven years to pin some lie on him, and you can't do it. Despite calling on all the resources of a corrupt government, you can't get him on anything. Worse? You mean he's going to Bring the economy bouncing back like he did before, roaring back, manufacturing, energy independence. You mean he's going to do all that again? Bastard. You mean he's going to shine the spotlight on corrupt bastards like you? 
Yeah, we love that. These pathetic punks. That's all liberals are. They're pathetic punks. There was some liberal who uh, went on a Facebook posting I made of Pujols and this sudden love affair with him. And, of course, mouthing off, calling me stupid, called me a prick. And, uh, of course, you know, you try to keep it reasonably sane when you're dealing with an idiot like that. But I told him I'd spent enough time on him. Goodbye. And I said, by the way, call in my show because he said if he ever debated me, I would look like a monkey. I said, call in my show and we'll have that debate. Said he was going to today. It is 825. We've been on the air for some 85 minutes. Not one call from him. He won't call. He's a liberal. He's a coward. He's a joke. He's an absolute joke. I'll give you his name before we're done here. See if he calls first. So that's what you have to deal with in this country. Liberals like Adam Schiff. It's the dead of August, folks, and my lawn is green. You know why? Green envy. 636-757-1600. 636-757-1600. They won't break the bank, but they'll come out and take care of your yard year-round. Your yard never browns up. It always stays green. It always has a lush thickness to it. Shrubs and bushes and trees, same thing. When they first came out to my house, my bushes had some sort of a disease. I had them test for COVID because everybody gets tested for COVID. By the way, I got tested for COVID the other day when I went into the urgent care. I was also tested for strep throat. Interesting, isn't it? COVID, strep throat. No COVID. And my bushes didn't have COVID either. They had something, though. And Green Envy was able to cure it quickly. 636-757-1600. They'll do the same for you. Tell them we sent you. And you never know. You never know what good things might happen. You never know. By the way, a friend of mine told me that Cal Berkeley just set up safe zones on campus where white people are not allowed. White people are not allowed. And Schiff said that it's Trump's Russian misconduct, of which there was none, that led to the Ukraine invasion Wasn't it Biden who said, if it's a small incursion, it's okay? I think that was Biden. Yeah, it was Biden. It was Biden. It's always Biden. Our phone lines are open, 636-538-0746. 636-537-0746. We'll come back with more of our show right after this. Just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Cause the flag still stands for freedom, and they can't take that away. 
welcome you back in. Kevin Slayton with you on this Thursday morning right here in the Window World King's Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com. We are glad you're along for the ride, and we hope you're enjoying the show this morning as we make our comeback from bronchitis and strep throat. Not a fun thing. Our phone lines are open, 636-538-0746, on any of the topics that we've discussed today. And there certainly are plenty of them. I don't think I'll soon forget, if ever, that line by Ron DeSantis regarding Fauci. Someone should grab that little elf and chuck him across the Potomac. (laughs) Now, I'm waiting for the liberals to start claiming, oh, my God, Ron DeSantis is encouraging violence and incitement and insurrection. You know that's coming, right? That's next. It's great stuff, though. You got to love DeSantis. Telling you, we've got stars in the Republican Party. I still want Trump to run. I still want Trump to get back in because I want to show the country, and the country can show it by the voting, that you can't do this to a man. You can't do what they've done to this man and get away with it. If we allow it, it empowers these criminals. Bullies and criminals have to be cut off at the pass. If they aren't, they will never stop. As it stands, these people will never stop. I think every one of us that has a sense of fair play knows that. This should not be a matter of whether you like or dislike Donald Trump. I didn't like Bill Clinton. It turned out some of the policies that he invoked were good ones for our economy. I said at the time, and I'll say it again, his personal life meant nothing to me as long as it didn't bleed over into his decision-making as president. It ended up that it did. So as far as personal lives of presidents go, I don't care. That's the mantra of the losers. If you can't beat them on policy, start calling them names, start lying about their personal life, which is what liberals do, and create boogeymen that will scare people off. They especially love to scare women. Have you noticed how they always point at women when they're trying to scare someone away from somebody? Always. Women will tend to be afraid quicker than men will. Most men. There are plenty of male cowards out there, like the guy who hasn't called into the show. But that's who they target, and I don't understand why women don't recognize that. Honestly, why haven't women recognized that they're always coming after you when they put their laser focus on someone, start lying about them, start creating this fear based on nothing, of course. There's never never any evidence to back it up. But they want women to be afraid because they know that women, there are more women in this country than there are men. Everything liberals do is geared to either buying votes, swaying your vote, doing something usually illegal, 
to gain your votes. It's what they do. Now they've taken to simply buying your vote. I can't imagine that anybody is okay with that. It does not make a lick of sense if you're okay with it. And as you heard earlier in the show, even those that this illegal scheme is aimed at, the students, they think it's unfair. They think it's wrong. It is wrong. It is illegal. But remember, they know, they know, Biden knows, that by the time it wanders its way to the Supreme Court, it'll be over with. The midterms will be done. The vote buying will have taken place. And if all goes well in the liberals' world, those bought-off votes will be very interesting. I didn't get a chance at the outset of the show to talk about Lynn Dawson after we talked about Pujols and Molina. But Lynn Dawson passing the other day. All of our heroes are, are leaving us. And it reminded me of something that someone said the a long time ago, right around the time that Jackie Smith retired from the Big Red. And uh, later on, a famous athlete passed away. He said, the heroes of our youth are dying every day. I don't recall my growing old, so when did they? And that's how I feel with Len Dawson passing now. The last two weeks, three weeks, my gosh, seems like they're falling like trees. But Len Dawson was a man of first class all the way. One of the classiest people ever in sports. Kansas City was lucky to have him. He loved Kansas City. He was Kansas City's Stan Musial. And that's no exaggeration. He was more popular in Kansas City than George Brett or the great golfer Tom Watson. And Lynn Dawson never, ever missed an opportunity to let the world know how much he loved Kansas City and the fans of Kansas City. Now that probably endeared him to those Kansas Cityans more than anything else, more than any Super Bowl win, because here was a national profile athlete who's one of their own who's telling everybody, I'm not leaving Kansas City when my playing days are over. I love the people and I love the place. Never forget, all of you Pujols worshipers, that Stan Musial could have left the Cardinals and gone to the upstart Mexican League and tripled his money. But he chose to stay. Pujols had the same chance. He wasn't tripling his money. He was only increasing it marginally. And in fact, it was probably being eaten up by the income tax rate in California. The difference. But he chose to leave. But guys like Lynn Dawson, Stan Musial, first class all the way. All the way. Lynn Dawson made it big in the professional football world for the Chiefs. Played in the very first Super Bowl, started for the Chiefs in that loss to the Packers. Three years later, won the Super Bowl in a major upset over the Minnesota Vikings. Never became anything more than the humble guy that he was. He started working at a Kansas City affiliate, an NBC station, doing their sports while he was still playing, much like Sonny Randall did here back in the day. 
and he remained there. Later on, when he gained national recognition on HBO's Inside the NFL show, he was the longest-running host of that show in its history, and then he became a co-host with Nick Bonacani for 21 years. He still stayed loyal to Kansas City. He never looked at the bright lights of Hollywood or New York and thought, wow, my career could really flourish if I go there. He was a Kansas City guy. And it's all he ever talked about was just how great Kansas City was and the people. And if you've been to Kansas City, I'm sure you understand that. People there are nice. They are friendly. They are loyal. And they were all of those things to Len Dawson, and he returned that love affair in spades. So it's neat seeing that kind of relationship between an athlete and a town. And one of the greatest pictures I've ever seen, one of the greatest sports pictures I've ever seen in my life, someone posted the other day. It's Patrick Mahomes, the current Chiefs quarterback, with his arm around Len Dawson, both in their Chiefs uniforms. Mahomes in full bright color, Dawson in black and white. The neatest picture I've ever seen. So we raise a glass to Len Dawson, and we toast a wonderful career, a wonderful life, a life well lived. The heroes of our youth just keep leaving. And when they leave, what we've changed in this culture and in this society, they are leaving a gaping hole when they go. For every Len Dawson who passes away, we've got a LeBron James jumping in there. Yuck. That's what we have. Sickening, isn't it? So, congratulations to Len Dawson on a life well lived, as I said. A wonderful, lifelong relationship with the city of Kansas City. It's funny, when he was born in Ohio, and he went to school at Purdue, and when they asked him why he chose Purdue over Ohio State, where the legendary Woody Hayes was the head coach, He said, because Purdue threw the ball. (laughs) Simple as that. He was a quarterback. He wanted to throw. And it turned out to be the greatest movie ever made because it was there that he first met Hank Stram as an offensive coach. Stram became his head coach in Kansas City. Well, actually first in Dallas. Chiefs were the Dallas Texans of the old American Football League. And they relocated to Kansas City when the Cowboys came into the NFL. And they've been in Casey ever since. You know, something about Kansas City, and and St. Louisans will, of course, get angry with this because they couldn't take it when Stan Kroenke told them the unvarnished truth about the economic future of this region unless something changed. St. Louis people don't like to hear a discouraging word about their city, even though it's valid and even though it's constructive and even though it could be helpful. They don't want to hear it. That's the St. Louis mentality. But the truth is, St. Louis lives in Kansas City's shadow, not vice versa. Kansas City doesn't worry about St. Louis. Kansas City has vision. Their leaders down there have vision. I'm not saying they're not all corrupt because they probably are. But the vision that it took from the Lamar Hunt family to build Arrowhead Stadium and then the Royal Stadium, Ewing Kaufman's family, 
in the same complex because city fathers were able to get the necessary tax revenue to get it all built on the same parking lot. Two professional sports stadiums with tailgate parties that are the best anywhere in the league. And Arrowhead Stadium is still the model of best stadiums today. Now, why couldn't we get that right in St. Louis? If if you've ever been to Arrowhead Stadium, the seating doesn't go back gradually. It goes back in a very steep fashion so that even if you're higher up, you're close to the field. And there is no atmosphere other than perhaps Green Bay for an NFL tailgate party. And if you're in the Kansas City parking lot at Arrowhead, the fans are friendly. I've been there several times. I've never experienced anything like I've experienced going down to a Cardinal game, for instance, in terms of violence. But St. Louis specializes in that, sickeningly, sadly, and they don't do anything about it. They don't care. Do you know that this Biden student loan handout is going to benefit some of the wealthiest universities in this country? Keep in mind, the university isn't eating the debt. You are. It's not even your debt. But what's interesting to me is that many of these universities and colleges have spent millions of dollars lobbying Biden and his White House for education policies. Isn't that interesting? Analysis from the Penn-Wharton budget model said that this could result in 300 to $900 billion in increases in taxes over the next few years. By the way, you'll hear the liberals tout the Inflation Reduction Plan as something that's so good for those with diabetes because it's going to take insulin prices way down from like $700 a month to $50 a month. It's not going to do anything to insulin prices until 2026. So if you have diabetes and you're screwed and you can't afford your insulin, you're going to die long before then probably. They're not helping you. They're lying to you. Dave is up. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Kevin, good morning. It is phenomenal to hear you back on the air. I threw a lot of prayers out, but as usual, we are on God's times table. I wanted you back Monday. You're back Thursday. That is great. Well, thank you. And uh, God is great. My prayers were just touched my voice. I had no voice. Still not like it should be, but good enough. And uh, when you don't have a voice, this is a hard job to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it usually, when you get when you get paid to talk, it's it's hard to do. So, glad to have you back, my friend. It was a uh, it was a long three days for us. Very, well, thank you. Very, very, very long. I heard uh, from some Kevin, very wonderful people. Well, again, glad to have you back on. That uh, sick um, uh, statement that they they called the pedophiles. What was that again? It, I. I I'm glad I was sitting still when you said it, and these people are proud of that? Yeah. Minor attracted person. It's a map. Well, you know, I was while I was listening to you, uh, I, I came up one for rapist. Because when you hear the word rapist or domestic abuser or pedophile, you don't usually go to 
a place of, of, of glory where you want to look at these people. So I guess now they're going to call rapists a person who acquires sex without permission. Well, that's not a bad idea, actually. That's probably what they will do. I wouldn't say you're very far off there. Well, you know, I, I, Kevin, I told my wife, and, and, and she looked at me like I was crazy, which probably she's correct. But I said I can see it, especially in that effed up state of Illinois, the way their legislators run it, not to find people. But I could see them at some point in time, maybe not in our lifetime, maybe, trying to legalize pedophilia. Well, it wouldn't surprise me. It's such a hot potato on a political basis. They probably wouldn't actually go that far. But nothing they do surprises me. No despicable act if, uh, would surprise me. These are perverts, perverted people in the Liberal Party. Uh, they're, they're, Kevin, they definitely have something wrong with them. And again, you know, you, you've heard me make this statement several times, and I know it's probably not popular, but I wish the worst, the absolute worst on all these people. May God send them to hell sooner than later. Because what they're doing to our beautiful, beautiful country. Yes, I know about all the skeletons we got in our closet. Can you tell me another country that has less skeletons than us and has done more? There isn't one. No. We, all, we all know what a great country this has been, what a grand experiment it was when it started. And now at the University of Virginia, the school that Thomas Jefferson founded, founded they these these little punks, these liberal punk students, are demanding that his name be removed from everything at the school and that a statue of him be taken down. He founded the school, you little brat. Why don't you go somewhere else to school? You're not having a gun held to your head that you have to go to the University of Virginia. You chose to go there. See, here's what I'm saying to all these punks, these liberal punks. When you make the choice, that's the end of the discussion. You don't get to dictate the rules. You made the choice to be in a certain place. You abide by those rules. You come into my house. If I tell you, I want your shoes off. You can't walk on my carpets with your dirty shoes on. You either abide by that rule or you leave. Pretty simple. I mean, what's what's the expression, when in Rome, do as the Romans? It's very, it's very true. So you go to the University of Virginia and you think you, the egos of these young punks, but that's because of the media prodding them on and the liberals egging them on. But their egos are out of control. They think that they can make these demands and get away with it. If the University of Virginia caves into that, write them off. We're well, done. Kevin, We're finished. You and I both know what the problem was. Uh, there was several guys in St. Louis that had, we, we shared the same name in common. Well, apparently one of them pissed off. It looked like a tree. This guy was one of the biggest human beings I ever saw. Uh, I think I was 15, 16. He grabbed me by the throat, picked me up off the ground, and asked me who I was. And I told him, I go, I'm not the one you're looking for. I don't go to Roosevelt. That's who you're looking for. He gently set me down, walked away and apologized. After I cleaned my pants, I was humbled because I thought, you know what? This guy could have killed me. Well, uh, I'm not sure where that fits in, but... Well, yeah. here, here's where I'm going, uh, is that uh, I was on the verge of getting my ass kicked for something I didn't do. So these folks need a, uh, maybe a good ass kicking 
to to give them a wake up call. Oh, they need an ass kicking, all right. So does Biden, the guy who keeps threatening ass kickings. As I said before, he's never given anybody an ass kicking in his life, and never will. I I don't think he can beat his way through a, a. Wet paper towel. Well, look, Kevin, I know other people want to get in and tell you they're glad to have you back. Uh, Carpe diem, my friend. Uh, great to have you back on. Take care and love you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it, Dave. See you, Kevin. Yeah, it's uh, this University of Virginia thing just struck me. It's, it's laughable that these people are so egomaniacal that they think they can dictate policy now. We've emboldened these liberal lunatic punks into thinking when they say take a statue down, you'll take it down. You know why they're emboldened? Because the cowards, the cowardly liberals that run these towns and these municipalities, cave in every time. What they should have done was armed the statue areas with police and told to fire on sight. Shoot on sight if someone tries to take down a statue. It's not your property. And if you deface something, you go to jail. But not for tonight. Not for tomorrow night, for a month. So if you work, which I doubt you do, you'd probably be fired. And that's what you deserve. Taking Abraham Lincoln's name off of schools, they're nuts. And they need to be treated like they're nuts. They need to be ostracized from society. They are punks. Everybody knows what a punk is. Everybody can recognize a punk. So when you see a liberal, you know you're in the presence of a punk. They demand these things. Imagine demanding anything. When I went to school, if I didn't like something, let's say I signed up for a class and I didn't like the teacher, I transferred out. It's pretty simple. I didn't demand that the school remove the teacher. Remember when the liberal punks down at the University of Texas decided they would try to get the eyes of Texas removed as the song being played by the Texas Longhorn Band at football and basketball games and at every function? The university told them to go pound salt, pound sand, pound salt, whatever you pound. Pound yourself in the head as far as I care. I don't care. But you don't mess with Texas, and you don't mess with the eyes of Texas. So you know what happened with the liberal punks? They all shut up and went away. That's how you deal with them. The University of Virginia has to deal with their liberal punks, but the University of Virginia, now being a liberal indoctrination center, might cave in. Missouri did. Missouri caved in repeatedly. Missouri is a major embarrassment. It's amazing. But we caved in. It's embarrassing to have gone to the University of Missouri. The cave-in and the capitulation was complete and remains that way. It's a do-gooder stronghold. They'll be taking somebody's statue down soon, maybe Norm Stewart's. It just went up five, six years ago, but maybe they'll take it down because Norm might have been tough on the team, might have been tough on the players from time to time. He may have had more white players on the team than black, so that's he's a racist. We've got to take that statue down. 
even though the guy who spoke at the dedication of the statue, I was there, that Norm chose out of all the players he could have chosen to speak and dedicate that statue, he chose a black player who wasn't even from Missouri, from Michigan, Doug Smith. Could have chosen John Brown, John Sunvold, Steve Stepanovich, all white players from Missouri, but he didn't. And I know why. He chose Doug Smith for the reason that we all would choose Doug Smith, loyalty. When Missouri got put on probation after Doug Smith's junior season for stupid crap that Rich Daly had done, and it really wasn't, and Bob Sunvold had done some minor infraction, just stupid stuff. But Doug Smith would have been a first-round pick of the NBA draft, and nobody would have blamed him for leaving. He can't play in the NCAA tournament his senior year. He's accomplished everything he needed to accomplish. But he wouldn't desert Norm Stewart in the program. He stayed. And Norm never forgot that. Ever. You think there's a liberal alive who shows that kind of loyalty? Not a chance. Well, that's going to wrap us up for today, folks. Again, thanks for all the kind messages that I received. I'll, I, I, I wish I could bottle them all up and sell them as a potion for people when they're down. But we appreciate it greatly. Thank you for bearing with us for three days. But we're back again fighting the good fight for all of us, and we're all fighting it together, and we'll beat these bastards. But we've got to stay focused, and we've got to keep talking. Keep pounding the drums. Sooner or later, we'll break through. Not to the liberals. They're nuts. But to voters who may be on the fence, Republican voters to get off their lazy asses and get out there and vote, and people to remain vigilant at election time. We'll be back fighting the good fight again for you tomorrow, live right here on KevinSlaytonShow.com. This is the Window World King's Court. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everybody.